Oh yeah. So good morning, I everyone. Not, but I know you can do it through Zoom. I figured you should come. I should have known that, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, the technology is a wonderful thing. Uh, at, at, good morning, everyone. As you can see, uh, I'm Will Driscoll, the executive director from the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, doing a little bit of chit chat with one of our, our inductees here and one of the great legends of basketball, Ralph Sampson. Um, I hope everyone is doing very well. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy and getting their summer unofficially off to a good start right now. Uh, before we get started, as always, I'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, the City of Virginia Beach, Priority Automotive, Optima Health, uh, Dabcon Inc., ESPN Radio 94.1, and of course our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to do uh, initiatives such as Hall Call. Um, as I mentioned though, joining us today is a Virginia basketball legend at all levels. Um, a high school American who led Harrisonburg High School to two state championships, a three-time National Player of the Year at the University of Virginia, leading the Cavs to a, a 1981 NCAA Final Four and a four-time NBA All-Star and 84 Rookie of the Year. We're pleased today to be joined by Ralph Sampson, a 1996 Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee and a 2012 Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame inductee. Sampson's number 50 has been retired by the, the Virginia Cavaliers men's basketball program. And Ralph, as always, thank you for taking some time out to join us today. Uh, thanks for having me. Look forward to this. And uh, hello, everyone out there on live on Facebook and all the things. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, wonderful. Ralph just kind of mentioned it. We are live on Facebook. So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to send them over and we'll do our best to get them up there. Uh, let's kind of get off, get started with an easy one. It's a good time to be a who right now. You have a lacrosse championship that you just had. The baseball team is fighting for a chance to go to the College World Series today. And you also had a, a, a track star, Michaela Meyer, won the 800 meter uh, a national championship this past weekend. So definitely a good time to be a who. Well, yeah, I mean, that tells you that, you know, the, the sports scene over here in Charlottesville is uh, uh, really, really powerful growing in every sport from, you know, football to men's basketball with Tony Bennett, which we all know and love when a national title a number of years ago. And the, all the other Olympic sports, you know, are, 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 have always done really good. So I'm excited about uh, watching, uh, you know, them, continue to do that, but also bring in more kids and graduate more kids and all, all the above, right? I think it's a very special time in university sports history. Definitely the student athlete is a, is a big component to the University of Virginia, and it's always good to see those academic numbers as well. Uh, you, you mentioned Coach Tony Bennett. You played in one of the more successful runs in the program's history, but what he's done the last 12 years has to rank right up there, if not at the top. In your interactions with Coach Bennett, what has he brought to the program and what makes him so special to the Virginia Cavaliers program? Well, I know to me, it started with Coach Allen. So over my four years there and his tenure there, I mean, it started the foundation with laid with Coach Allen, the style of play, the type of uh, coach and character of a coach that Coach Allen was and still is, uh, set the tone for Virginia basketball over the years, right? So it took a long time to get that back uh, after Coach Allen. And Tony Bennett fits that mode, and he's taken it to another level by winning a national title. I mean, I went one year, and then I, I tell uh, people all the time, Ricky Stokes and Othell Wilson, that crew went to two. So, so there's no four-year tenure right now that any other player has gone to two national champ, two national NCAA Final Fours, other than Ricky Stokes and, and Othell Wilson. So, to me, those are special guys for me. But uh, Tony has actually won one, and has changed the landscape of Virginia basketball and you know history will prevail but 10 years there the 12 years what well, has been there I tell people all the time <clears throat> I say it time and time again they should hire him for life and <laughs> just because I mean you're not gonna be able to find someone like him ever again to coach college basketball 
Well, you you know, you that's kind of a, an interesting segue into the into the next topic of discussion. You look at the the game of college basketball is now losing some of these longtime tenured coaches. Roy Williams retired. Coach Krzyzewski just announced that it, this is going to be his last year. When you have a guy like Tony Bennett, how important is it to keep him to maintain that consistency so that you don't go through these down periods, you know, over the course of a five to 10 year period? Well, you see the likes of Jim Beheim as well. Um, that's you know, that maintain a really good program. Uh, Coach K, I mean, I knew Coach K when I came out of high school and was on the Pan American team. He was still assistant coach to Bobby Knight at Army and trying to do some things and became Coach K obviously over the years. So that's I've seen that go from A to Z and what a ride he's had. And, you know, and, and the way he did it, he's going out. Uh, it's the best way to do it. It's, you know, just go through the whole year, get the swan song. He deserves that. And every school that he plays against this year, hopefully in the ACC, the last game that we play in Virginia against Coach K should be an honor to play against him. And he should get all the accolades he deserves. And so there's coaches out there to do that. But again, there are these young coaches like Tony Bennett, which is not, you know, 30 years old, but he, you know, he's still in an in age bracket where he can coach another, you know, 15 years or so or whatever he wants to do right at that point in time. So it's special for me to see that. But the 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 guards of the game, basically the coaches of the game are getting older, uh, which is the evolution of life. We all get older and uh, the new coaches are coming in and doing their thing. And Tony Bennett's one of those coaches that we all uh, at a national world level can respect and understand because he's going to do the right thing. Well, you know, we're in the content game, obviously, with this Hall Call interview series platform. And you're in the content game now as well. You started a, a center court podcast uh, and with uh, with Matt, broadcaster Mac McDonald, and it's a podcast that that you can find online where podcasts are available. It's actually you, you get a lot of good guests, and it's not just basketball. It's it's a lot of people from the sports world. But one of the podcasts recently was specifically about the culture of Virginia basketball. If you had to describe that culture, what is the best way? What are the, some of the words that you would use to to put that out there to somebody who might be learning about it? Yeah, I mean, Center Court Podcast 50 on every every uh, channel out there, Instagram, et cetera, and people can check it out. But I started that just because of not just talking about basketball, but talking about culture, talking about the inner workings of, you know, basketball when I played or got to play today. And we've had, you know, from a Brian McKnight to, you know, music people, artists, because uh, everybody likes sports, right? They got a sports tie somewhere, either they played or, or they wanted to play, et cetera. So we've had some fun times doing that from Valerie Ackerman that was on recently that went to Virginia and commissioner of the Big East and started the WNBA. So those 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 calls are special to me and understanding how a lot of Virginia people, uh, UVA people from Val Ackerman and Don Stelly, myself, Wally Walker. I mean, these guys here have great, great history at UVA, but after UVA as well, you see kind of the evolution of where they, they've gone. And I want to be able to show uh, young athletes, especially at Virginia, but around the country that, hey, like there is a life after basketball. You should start to practice that right now while you're in school, because once you leave, it's a whole different ball game out in the real world. So we have done some fun things and Mac McDonald has been great. Uh, he was my color commentary guy, Virginia, when I got there, maybe my second year, and we have a special relationship and you know, we had John Grisham. I mean, we, we can't, I mean, you can't say anything more about John Grisham and his great Suley book. Uh, that was an amazing uh, interview for us as well. Uh, Emily Giffen, book writer again, that has some ties to UVA, went to Wake Forest with Tim Duncan, Coach Odom, uh, came to Virginia Law School, had now become a you know, number one New York best author as well. So 
those type of relationships for me are very special. And that's what I want kids to understand that you build those relationships and they last a lifetime. Well, another recent guest is actually another inductee here at the Hall of Fame, Lefty Drizel, long time, long time coach. He's coached at four, he's the only coach to take four different programs to the NCAA tournament and win 100 games at those programs. But you had the opportunity to play against Lefty when you were at Virginia, when he was coaching at Maryland. What stuck out to you about his coaching style? We all know that he's a great storyteller and he can keep you going and in stitches for a long time. But about his coaching style and preparation, what did you have to do to make sure that you succeeded when you went up against a lefty team? Well, I mean, you know, I had the, uh, uh, the, the great honor that Lefty recruited me to go to University of Maryland. So I saw his recruiting style uh, when I was in high school. I was able to go to his camps for two years at University of Maryland at that point in time, which I saw that campus live. And it was really fun for me to go do that. And the likes of John Lucas and Steve Shepard and the guys that played for Lefty and the relationships that were built after I got out of college with John Lucas and those guys as well. I played with John in the NBA. So we knew that whole situation to, to you know, the recruitment, to playing against Lefty and the great teams of, you know, Buck Williams, Albert King, Ernest Graham, those guys as well. I did have Lefty on my our radio show. And I surprised him with Buck Williams on the show. And they, and I'm sure they've spoken, but, you know, Coach Dazelle is one of, one of a kind. So I had those two guys on. And the stories from that show, you guys should check it out out there because it's very special. And it was heartfelt for me to be able to do that. And I like doing stuff like that. But then I had the ability to, not only uh, get recruited by Lefty, play against him, but I coached with him at JMU for a year there. And you could see from the inner working how he's successful, how he became so successful because he left no stone unturned when it came to recruiting, none. Uh, he was relentless uh, then, and I'm sure during the course at Maryland, he was relentless then. So I appreciated his ability because I saw it on one side of the coin but then I got to see it on the other side of the coin. And that to me was extremely special to watch and see. And then finally, I got to see him being inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Obviously, Virginia Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, Swiss Hall of Fame, he was inducted there. But to see him get all those accolades and honors, it was about the freaking time that he got that. And then I was able to be there with him when he got that with a special honor for me as well. But Coach is a one-of-a-kind guy. And I appreciate the camaraderie, relationship, and friendship between he and his family as well, Chuck Drizel as well. And for me, it's very special. We got to do an event here locally, uh, here in Hampton Roads, at, right after he got inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame. And you could see how much it meant to him. And like you said, it, it was about time. It was probably long overdue. But it, it was such an honor for him. And it, and it was great to kind of hear how how much that did mean to him and, and not just not just to him personally, but it meant something to all of the players who were there as well. The Charlie Scotts, the Buck Williams, like you mentioned. Um, and, and I think that speaks more to to him just as a person as opposed to a basketball coach. But there's another person that that recently was selected for the Naismith Hall of Fame uh, from oh, Virginia. Yeah. Another another inductee, Bob Dandridge, probably again, long overdue. Um, you know, we're very lucky here in Virginia to have this great pedigree of basketball players. Um, what, what stuck out to you? It, Dandridge was a little bit before your time. So he was in the NBA when you were growing up. But what stuck out to you about his playing style? And, and you know, 
making him such a good player on those bullet teams and those buck teams that won NCAA, that won NBA championships, I should say. Well, again, stuff like that is way, way overdue. Um, I mean, and why put them in now if we didn't put them in 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? Their career has been over. There's nothing they can do more in the basketball court after their career is over. But I don't know what the committees and things change, et cetera, but I'm glad you know, at least they are living to see their name and faith and likeness be put in the Hall of Fame and be recognized with that. But I can remember Bobby Dandridge turn around jump shot. I mean, I watched obviously being in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, you could watch the the Bulls at that point in time play Wes Unsell, Elvin Hayes, Bobby D, Kevin Porter, Grevy. You watch those guys play. And you know, they end up on those years going to a championship, but it's great to see uh the likes of in his game and style. You know, and then I'm really into his history and where he's come from, the state of Virginia, et cetera. And so to see that and see him get honored, I'm, I will be at that Hall of Fame, I hope in September, to watch him get honored as well. Valerie Ackman is in that class as well, making that happen as well from University of Virginia. Ben Wallace, ben, another Virginia ben Wallace, Sports Hall of Fame. Ben Wallace is another, yeah, Ben Wallace is another one. To see guys like that are from the state. And I tell everybody, you know, you got, we have, I mean, people out there have to recognize that this state, uh, and I think we should do more, right? Because we, I mean, David Robinson was from Virginia. Alonzo Mourning, obviously, Alan Iverson, myself, and the list goes on and on, right? So great athletes have come from this state, right? That's gone on to do great things on the court and off the court uh, that's highlighted. And you guys do a great job at the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame highlighting that. But we got great athletes here that, that are great people as well. So I appreciate the Hall of Fame that, that do this, especially getting Bobby and Coach Zell and uh, the likes of Ben Wallace as well into a Hall of Fame because to me, that's really what it's all about. And I'm proud to be, you know, uh, born and raised and living in this state because I think to me it's very special. When you look at a guy like Wallace, um, you know, Ben Wallace was a guy who impacted the game really without scoring the basketball. Like he, he was a rebounder. He was a defensive, he was a defensive stalwart. Uh, who, who is somebody that you went up against or that you played with that reminded you a lot of him? You know, it's, it's hard for me to compare players, but uh, I mean, Buck Williams was a little bit more offensive minded than Ben, but tough, strong work ethic stuff. So I can compare him to someone like that from my college days and NBA days. But then you got the likes of, you know, Maurice Lucas and that could score a little bit more than Ben, but the toughness that Ben brought to the game were guys of that caliber to me that played at that level. Well, we, we've talked a lot about the podcast, the Center Court Podcast. Again, you can find it wherever podcasts are available, but your podcast is actually presented by your foundation, the Samson Family Foundation. And the mission of that organization is to uplift, empower, and educate the communities that you live in. Um, how does the foundation go about carrying out that mission? And what is some of the work that you all do in those communities? Yeah, so we started that just because of um, uh, my father's uh, cancer issues, prostate and lung. He's, he'll be 85 on July the 8th and doing very well health-wise. Can't complain with that. And so we got him healthy at University of Virginia Hospital and RMH Hospital in Harrisonburg uh, maybe 10 years ago now or so. So it started with the Ralph L. Sampson Hope Fund. And we raised probably three, four hundred thousand um, dollars over that period of time to benefit cancer research, medication, and transportation to for people that have cancer and have to get treatments. And obviously, we all want to find a cure for this dread disease, so it becomes a very important for us. But we did that at University of Virginia and RMH. Then we're building an initiative at Virginia State. My mother 
went to Virginia State, high school, basketball, et cetera, et cetera, went to Virginia State. So we were building a scholarship fund there under her name. She's 82 and doing extremely well as well. And then we just take on other initiatives. We, we uh, put the high school basketball court at the Harrisburg High School and my high school coach's name is now the Roger Berge Court, which he's in the Hall of Fame as well there. Uh, great coach um, in his early 80s, but wonderful person for me. And I wanted to honor him that way as well. We'll take on this. that We have something called Ralph's House. That's an academic educational program that we're working with Boys and Girls Club in Harrisburg and now in Charlottesville. Now Mike's going to launch this summer as well. So we just take on certain initiatives that, that's near and dear to our heart. Um, we were working with the food bank and want to do something with the food bank in, in, in the Shenandoah Valley because you know, people are going hungry these days, supposedly. So we want to work with farmers and stuff like that. So different projects I take on and uh, just try to help people out you know, in our state. How did the pandemic affect the work that the foundation was able to carry out? I actually, you know, affected everyone because we couldn't do much, you know, uh, in the likes of that. I mean, I have my basketball clinics and uh, math nothing coming up this year. We started to do it last year. They start actually next week, and and we couldn't get any can't get any camps off last year. We tried, but we couldn't do it this year. Hopefully, we'll get it done. Um, so we regrouped during the pandemic and really started to focus on really what our goals and initiatives are and refine everything. So, I mean, it's a bad year, but, you know, when you sit down and have work every day, you can stay at home and, you know, can't go out that much while you focus a little bit more and work a little bit harder. It's a great way to put it into perspective. Uh, you mentioned the Samson Basketball Academy. Uh, that's another platform where you give back to the community. Um, you know, now that we're looking, now that you're getting back to doing this, when you're looking at kind of molding the next generation of young players, not necessarily to be superstars, but using sports as a platform for development, you know, what's something that you're looking to impart on the kids that come to the Samson Basketball Academies? Well, I mean, you know, just to get out and be active, you know, as, as young kids, to be active in the sport, but also do it the right way. Um, and then be able to instill certain work ethics that they will use for life. Like, did you make your bed up this morning? So little things of that of that nature we've been able to do. Me and Coach Gregor used to have camps for 20 years or so, uh, coming out of the uh, uh, going into the NBA into the, into the 90s, girls and boys, and that's it's still impactful for me today because I see people, I've seen people that have come to those camps and now send their kids to the camps. So it becomes uh, very special to me, and they remember certain things that I've talked about back then today and they're still in this kids. So the generational thing for me is very, very important. But we just teach the basic fundamentals of basketball and try to instill some, some things in life and nuggets of life that they can take with them that they will use in the future. What's your most important piece of advice to a young basketball player? Uh, I mean, if you want to play, you got to put the work in. I mean, you know, you, you, you got you, you to you know, you grind it out. You got to put the work in. It's not going to happen overnight. If you want to be good, you can be, but it depends on how much you got to work. So that's the basic fundamentals, the foundation of a building block for anybody that wants to be successful in anything they do. Well, we look at how the game has changed over really the last 20 years. Uh, completely different style. There's a lot more scoring, a lot more offense. The game is played further away from the basket. Uh, all the kids I know want to put the ball in the basket, but what is a skill on the court that you should really be looking at if you are an eight, nine, 10 year old, or even up into the teens, what skills should you be focusing on to get better at basketball? Well, the problem with that is that each year the kid gets either stronger, bigger, or faster, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, coordination stops uh, with that. So you just gotta, I mean, the basic fundamental dribble, pass and shoot. 
So if you can learn those three skills the right way, how to shoot, especially shooting, then you become very effective you know, as you get older. So the shooting techniques, the, the, the fundamentals of that and how to follow through and how to position the ball and all that, it's very important at a young age. As you get older, then it becomes a little easier. And what I see right now, and that's is kids shoot the ball and they want to shoot the three-pointer, which I think is a bad for a young kid. Yeah, the NBA is having a, a record number as far as scoring is concerned, but the game is definitely all a dribble and a shoot game. There's no really um, technique or skill that you need to do in the NBA to get there anymore uh, and get open and know how to cut and do whatever. Just get the ball and dribble, which I think is not a great way to play, but it is the evolution of the game. So if you can understand as a young kid that if I can shoot the ball correctly and then dribble and then I can pass, then you can be pretty good at the game if you work at it. Well, you, you played during pretty much what could some people might call, you know, the golden era of the center. You had yourself, you had Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, uh, players like that. Now, I'm, I'm not one to I, I'm definitely not in the camp that says, well, this person wouldn't translate to the next generation. I think that you you get you have a skill set and you're going to train based on what is you know popular or, or going on at that time. But how would players like yourself and David Robinson and Akeem Olajuwon, you know, fit into the current day of basketball? Well, somebody, they always ask that question. We, we wouldn't have to fit in. The, the game would have to fit into us because, yeah. you know, being, I mean, I tell somebody actually yesterday on a call I had, if you find a, a good center, Joe M. Nabib is one of the best centers in the NBA right now, right? <clears throat> if he wanted to dominate it night and night, all he had to do was go to the post-up game. He killed everybody out there, scored 50, 60 points a night. I know he wants to shoot a three and do whatever, but and this is one of his better years because he's posting up a lot more and techniques. Up. Nobody can stop him. So big, so strong. Nobody can stop him. The game would have to adjust to the player. And that's what's happening over the years with the basketball. The players have changed a little bit due to, you know, AAU and all that stuff going on. It's became a shooter, shooter's game and a guard game. But if, if there was a dominant big man out there, the game will definitely change to that big man because he'll dominate everybody. And nobody's going to be able to stop him. When we were playing the Rockets, me and Akeem Olajuwon, there were no such thing as two big guys, two seven-footers to play. The Celtics have Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale, but they were just beginning. The Lakers had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and they had, you know, Maurice Lucas or whatever it may be. But when we came in the game, everybody, you had to have two big guys to stop us. So that evolved, and that changed the game at that point in time as well. So if someone has a big guy, develop a big guy that can really, really play, that's going to change college basketball. It's going to change NBA basketball as well. Are there enough good coaches out there uh, across both levels, you know, college basketball and the NBA to really kind of help develop that, that center, that, that low post game again. No, no, I mean, I don't think it's enough. I mean, AU, the club team basketball, there's coaches on there because of the money and the prestige of that. So I think that's kind of crazy these days. And it evolved over into the transitions over into the high school game and transitions over to the, the college game as well. There's not enough good coaches. I mean, just think about it. The, the, Player development coaches at the NBA level have never played the game. Some of them have never played. Mm -hmm. so I got a player development guy at the NBA that's never played a game, but out there telling a guy to do this drill, do that drill. That is ludicrous to me, right? So you got NBA players that could be. I play. I was a player development guy at Phoenix Suns in 2012-13 with a guy named Lance Blanks that played at Virginia, went on to Texas. And so he hired me to be a, a director of player development, me and another guy. We worked it out and, and made it a special time for me. But you got people out there that are film guys, 
now they're shagging balls and their play development and the whole analytical system. Think about it. The analytics that tell you where you can shoot the basketball at. Because in the game, this is where you're more effective. But it doesn't tell you you got to guard or LeBron James is guarding or whoever else is guarding. It doesn't tell you all those analytics, right? So the game has changed dramatically over the years when it comes down to the basic fundamental game. And I think that has to change as well sooner or later to get guys that understand the game. It's not just the drills, it's the mentality of the game. It's, it's, a, it's the brain, it's the passion of the game that these guys that never played the game would never understand. How would coaches like Lefty Drizel and Terry Holland, your coach at UVA, uh, approach to analytics? Oh, they, they would never use it. <laughs> they would never use it because it'd be, I mean, it's, tech, it's technology, I get it, but uh, I'm sure they would look at it to see if it's any use. I know Lefty would just throw it out the window. He would never, <laughs> he would never use that. I don't need all that. I don't need all that garbage. I know him, he would say that for sure. Well, I'll get you out of here on this, uh, kind of bringing it back to your Center Court podcast. Uh, it, I've, I've listened to a bunch of the episodes that have been really, really entertaining. And as you, you alluded to earlier, it's not just the sports world. You've had Brian McKnight on, you've had John Grisham. Um, is there a guest or a, a kind of a, a handful of guests that really stick out to you in the, in the year plus that you've been doing the Center Court podcast? Yeah, there are. So, I mean, we are, we are actually, our podcast is uh, out every Tuesday um, uh, this week. Uh, on Tuesday is Jim Gray. Actually, I stuck a we interviewed him last week. And then we're in Norfolk, uh, Charlottesville, Richmond, Harrisonburg, and Blacksburg area now on radio over the weekends. So WTAR and, and that area were there uh, as well. So we're excited about all that. But um, I, Jim Gray, I mean, right now because it's fresh and new, sticks out because he <clears throat> started his career, you know, uh, when there wasn't any social media all stuff as well. And his first interview was Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. uh, because he had to pick him up at the airport and there was no phone, the airplane was late. So he got the call from the little station to go pick up Muhammad Ali, which he did. And the interview there is great. So people can listen to that. That, that story uh, tonight, tomorrow when it's out on the podcast is an amazing story. You know, he's got Emmy awards, he got all kinds of awards. And the relationship that I have with him has been special over the year because I know if he calls me, that the interview that he has with me or anybody else is going to be true, real, and good questions. And he he, he will make sure that it's, it's, it's put over the airway the right way, no matter what the questions are or what time it is. Yeah, that, so that one right now is obviously resonates with me because it's fresh and new. But you know, over the summer, we've had, you know, Hall of Famers. We've had entertainers. We've had, uh, you know, uh, musicians and I mean so it's been good because everybody has a time the, the music to sports so or entertainment to sports so everybody wants to play sports somehow play basketball for sure so it's been a fun ride and we have things coming up with you know a Bill Walton or you know James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Maddie Johnson are coming up this summer and so I look forward to those interviews coming up as well but again I don't want to just do the question and answer where you talk about how many points you score in a game? How, what you no, we don't want to do that. We want to get more in depth with the relationship and the friendships that I have with these guys and really have fun and talk cr crazy stuff uh, on these shows. So I'm excited about what's coming and, and how we put it out for the for the next year or two to come. We'll see what happens, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, there's definitely plenty of uh, plenty of opportunities out there to kind of rehash, you know, games and stats and things like that. And it's it's important to really start learning about the people as individuals. Yes, they have great stories, but you know, we're all still human beings as well. Uh, 
final thing, we talked about the Samson Family Foundation, which is the, the main presenting sponsor for the Center Court podcast. How can people get involved and help you and your efforts at the Samson Family Foundation? Yeah, just go on SamsonFamilyFoundation.org. Check it out. Uh, you can donate money. You can spend time. Like I said, I'm in the Shelby area, Harrisonburg area. Typically, I'm over at the, working with the Boys and Girls Club. We're doing something with the Shelbyville Boys and Girls Club uh, this summer with Farmington Country Club. Uh, uh, first tee program uh, at at, uh, uh, at Board's Head as well that will do a putting contrast, trying to bridge the gap between uh, communities in Charlottesville and these very nice plush country clubs where kids can see how sports again, golf at that can be an integral part of your world, not only just playing a game, but understanding what life's all about. So we're doing stuff like that. So just go on there and see you know, how you can get involved. There's a, there's a volunteer thing on there as well. You want to volunteer, you want to donate money or spend time. Just let us know, email us, and we'll, we'll get back to you. Getting kids involved in sports uh, at any level, um, at any, you know, participation level or any competitive level is so important. It's so good personally, professionally, eventually as you get older, mentally, physically, emotionally. So we commend those efforts. Um, and, uh, and we thank you for joining us today. It seems like uh, you're very busy with the podcast, with the, with the Samson Family Foundation and the Basketball Academies coming up. So thanks for taking some time out and joining us today. I uh, appreciate you. Appreciate your time. And thanks uh, to the uh, Virginia Sports Hall of Fame for doing what you do. And I look forward to doing more with you guys and coming down to the lovely Norfolk area as soon as I can. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. That's Ralph Sampson, 1996 Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee. Make sure you follow and listen to Ralph's Center Court podcast. You can visit the SampsonFamilyFoundation.org to learn about all the great work they're doing in the communities up in Charlottesville and Harrisonburg. And of course, RalphSampsonBasketball.com to stay up to date on camps and clinics offered through the Sampson Basketball Academy. I'd like to thank everyone again who tuned in today. This video will be up on our website as well as our social media platforms. Uh, I'd like to uh, once again thank our partners, Priority Automotive, City of Virginia Beach, Optima Health, Dabcon Inc., ESPN Radio 94.1, and the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Be sure to follow the Hall of Fame on all of our platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at VA Sports HOF. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll, the Executive Director here at the Hall of Fame. I hope everyone has a great day, and whatever you do, participate, don't spectate.